So um, let's do it, Julio. Well, Julio and I did it again. We took off out of here and we made it the long journey to the 59th um, Harmonica Convention in Tulsa. We got to live on Tulsa time for a little bit and it was like a family reunion. Um, they've been oh, via internet, Zoom, YouTube for a couple of years now and this was the first in-person event in a while and so it was like a homecoming. It was great. I even um, got to meet some of you that listen to my podcast and people that are on the Harmonica Lovers group and my old group I used to um, monitor Harmonica Jam. So I've been doing this a while and it's really cool to finally get to meet people. And you, you know, the cool thing is you arrive, you make the long journey, of course, you get get there. And for me, since I make all of the things that I vend there, I, I had a long journey to make everything and get it ready and then figure out how to get it there. Now, that's another problem. Let me tell you, you that uh, that all, everyone has to get there, that especially the vendors and the harmonicas. So we managed to get there, Julio and I, with everything, but getting home was another story. There was some kind of strange uh, bomb scare that turned out to not be anything in Las Vegas that rerouted all the planes and Got our luggage lost and ended up causing me um, extra pain and heartache. But, you know, life is pain and I'll take the problems, but I won't take the blame because <laughs> blues is my business. You know, and, and so there's always that, you know, especially in these times. It's There's shortages and crises everywhere, I'll tell you what. But getting to go to spa through everything in life was just a dream come true from the moment you get there till the moment you leave. Meeting people like, um, I was asked if I could sell Charlie Musselwhite CDs at my booth this year, you know. Phil Duncan calls me up and asks me, and I'm like, okay, you know, um, which, my goodness, yes, of course I will. And uh, so I got to meet him uh, right away and put his CDs out there, and then I had put the word out that I'd anybody else that wanted to bring some, I'd do them. But I'll tell you what, my brain, between running mine and running theirs and it, it gave me uh, it gave me some somersaults, but I, I did it. <laughs> probably good probably good exercise for my brain, you know, like learning a new song on some with some harmonica tab that's entirely different than anything you've ever done. You know, pushes your envelope further. It's kind of a pun because I put all the money in the envelopes. And it was nice to be able to give people, oh, here's your CDs, here's your money. And so that was kind of a treat for me to be able to to bless that way because I feel so lucky to be there and to hear the stories of everything. And being in the vending area makes it hard for me to go to things, but I did sneak in Charlie Musselwhite's Q&A with Michael Durth, uh, the president of, of SPA. He gave him Q&A and then everybody asked him questions and I didn't get the whole thing. I didn't get to stay because my vending booth was opening. And so... I've got some here along with his CD. Some uh, He gave me quite a few CDs, and I put together a little thing through what he's talked about and his music through the years um, for you today that's basically mostly about Charlie and his influences, which are many, and w people he's known, which are the top dogs um, in the, the beginning of the blues, the little Walter and the, the big Walter and <laughs> all the Walters and uh, Muddy Waters and and um, inspiration for the songs that he's written. And so I'm going to tell you about that. And then that's then also I'm going to give you a little news here on the, where the upcoming spa is as well as some stuff going on here in California in November. So, yeah, it's at the Westport Chalet um, in St. Louis. And that is August 15th through the 19th. And it's going to be really special. I just know it. It's the 60th year. It's the diamond. So uh, I, it's probably one you don't want to miss. I'm, I'm going to try to go. I, I always try every year, but you never know in life what, what comes up. And I have had to miss a few, which darn it. 
that's the way it goes sometimes. But right now I'm um, back in studio and I'm, I've got a lot of shows here in California that I'll be doing until then and um, booking out. And so look for those. And also the Harmonica Lovers group. It's a small group I put together. It's a really good positive group. Uh, no one's going to criticize anyone or, you know, they're going to hear from me. So if you're going to be on that group, you got to be nice. And if you're going to be in that playground in that sound box, you're going to be nice. That's just my only rule and no spam. And so far, that's working out pretty good. And post your events there. I know that uh, the in Oakland, they're going to have Mon- Bay Area Harmonica Convergence. And that's going to be, let me scroll down, November 21st, 2022 at 8 p.m. It's over there by Jack London Square. So if you're in the Bay, in Oakland, Berkeley, anywhere, and you're hearing this, check that out. They have a Harmonica page, a Facebook page on the event, Harmonica Convergence Bay Area. And uh, so check that out, you know, and if you decide to go, you tell them you heard that from me because I want to keep everybody in the know. And that that's all I know about that's actually some kind of thing that's happening soon. Uh, so mark mark the dates. I'm going to get into this um, podcast, and I'm devoting it to Charlie Musselwhite, who I was had the pleasure to hang out with and get to know and sell his CDs, his autographed CDs. It was a blast. I got to know him, a fabulous person, as well as just a legend, and just a living legend that's moving everything forward forever for harmonica, so... Let's get into that right now. So you've got a new album out, and it's doing pretty well. And talk about kind of how it came about and what's going on. Just got my happened to have a few. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Mississippi Sun, and uh, it was recorded in Parksville, Mississippi. It was a pandemic time, and I was... Hadn't been home that long since I, could, I was a teenager, I think. And uh, three blocks from my house is a studio with a friend of mine there. Has a lot of guitars, and he's a songwriter. And I was hanging out there and playing his guitars, and he said, man, uh, let me just tape some of those tunes. And, yeah, go ahead and tape them. So he taped a couple and another couple later sometime. And my wife said at one point, you know, this could be a record. Uh, yeah. mm. So we brought in a drummer and a bass player on some tunes and uh, sent it to Alligator and they loved it and now it's out. And that's, that's the short story. Boy, the long story is the long road to get there to write all these magnificent songs and to uh, share them with us as the process goes. It, uh, it's involved. And getting in there and getting down and doing it is another story. And then taking it out on the road to shares is another story. And he, he's got those stories because he's done the work and he's taken the journey. So I'm going to play you a couple of songs here, but I want you to know if you want the whole CD, which I sold quite a few autographed copies there, you can go to Charlie Muscle White's webpage as well as Alligator Records and purchase your copy because... Uh, you want to add it to your collection, that's for sure. Thank you. 
tell you that muddy water on that uh, river there. I've been over that bridge a few times as my father was from the south. They were sharecroppers and we'd head back from California quite a few times a year and we'd always go through through the towns. And I, I learned a lot as a kid watching all the jute joints jumping and my dad would say, look at that. It's, it's Saturday night. Everybody's having a good time. And, you know, for me as a little kid, it was all pretty darn interesting and my daddy was raised in the cotton fields, and he used to get in trouble for hanging out with them blues players. I, I guess it's just in the blood. I, I'm going to carry on and keep hanging out with those bad influencers, them blues players. So Charlie's got quite a life story, and I've got little snippets of it here. And uh, we're so lucky to uh, carry on this tradition here in the U.S., uh, the blues, as well as all the other music that uh, we brought to the world. And... Um, it's a wonderful thing. So I hope you're enjoying this interview with Charlie. I, I know that it was enjoyable, and you can hear all the laughter. And I tried to cut out some of the bad noise that I had in it, but uh, that was next to impossible because you, there was this little recorder that I had on my phone. <laughs> Basically, it's a little voice memo. So that's how I ended up getting that and um, hanging out with him and Decarp. It was so enjoyable from Clarksdale. There's a lot going on down there, so always check out Decarp and Charlie's page for their events because you might be able to make one of those if you're ever down there, Ground Zero and in Clarksdale and uh, checking out the South. I know a lot of people make that sojourn back to see the legendary spots and uh, the highways there and the byways. So check it on out. It's my favorite blues. And the songs on it are yours? Uh, not all of them. There's some covers and some a bunch of mine too. Uh, talk to us about your songwriting. Um, how does that come about? Well, uh, I always writing things down. I'll hear something, somebody will say something, I'll think of something, and I, I'll be on the road for several months. When I get home, I got all these pieces of paper, napkins, and things. And <laughs> I got a shoebox full of them. Sometimes it's I write a song about something, well, I might have an idea, and I get those things out and start looking at them and think, hmm, that kind of goes with this song. This one goes too. I'll put those together. Well, we have, that might work too. So I have all these kind of verses that I'd already written that hadn't any place to go yet, and now they're kind of falling in place. But sometimes the song I start out writing, by the time I get to the end, this is a whole different song. So it just kind of takes you where it wants to go. But that's how it feels to me. So, did I answer your question? I think so, yeah. I mean, I... I almost forget what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, the question was, how, you know, how, do you, how does songwriting come to pass? And, and, you know, I think it's a common... You know, I'm married to a songwriter, and, and I think, you know, the, the, you know, the coming up with notes and comment, and you, somehow you put it together, and... Um, have you ever had that life experience where you're just going down the road and, and it just comes to you in one lump? Yeah, it, it just uh, they just show up like they're already written somewhere in the universe and it just comes into my head. Uh, yeah. Then the trick is to remember it. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard to remember here too. Yeah, it's hard to write it down while you're driving. <laughs> yeah, that's a recurring theme when I interview people and myself. And all the people that I hang out with that um, sing and songwrite is it sometimes comes in bits as pieces and sometimes the whole song just kind of drops in your head and does feel like it's already written and just dropping down into that uh, slot in your brain where you can 
turn it into something and uh, make it a song. Stocking stuffer, you get one for your birthday, and you learn how to play the battle hymn of the Republic or something. And uh, so there's harmonicas laying around. Some had belonged to my dad, he played harmonica. But uh, when I was about 13, I had been going around Memphis looking for old blue 78s. And I found a lot of Sonny Boy Williamson and other. I really liked the way the blues harmonica sounded. I knew nothing about. There was no instructions on how to how to play blues on a harmonica, but I uh, started teaching myself, and it was interesting to me that I gravitated to second position, not knowing what that was. It was a C harmonica. I thought everything you play is a C on a C harmonica. Found out later that that was G I was playing in, <laughs> and uh, as time went by. Uh, I met some other guys around Memphis, and then I kind of learned about there was actually first position and third, and I thought that was all there was to it, first, second, and third. And I thought that was plenty. Yeah. <laughs> then I got up to Chicago and uh, really got my eyes open to, I went up there just to get a job in a factory. I didn't even know there was a blue scene in Chicago. I'd been told anybody in the entertainment business either lived in New York City or Hollywood. So uh, I, the first job I got was a driver for an exterminator. I drove him all over town and started seeing signs for Muddy Waters here, Elmore James. And, wow, all my blues heroes are right here. And I'm hanging out in the clubs. And I, I'm not telling people I play. I'm not holding up my microphone. I mean, my harmonica and saying, can I sit in? I was just happy to be there hanging out and socialize and coming from Memphis I already had a drink so <laughs> I just fit right in. But a waitress I'd gotten to know, I might be getting off the subject here, but anyway. <laughs> she mentioned the Muddy that I played and uh, Muddy had thought, thought that I was just a fan. You know, I'd request tunes and I was always hanging out and 
when he found out I played, he insisted I sit in, and that led to a lot of things there because musicians in the club would hear me play and they started offering me gigs, and that got me focused. You're going to pay me to play? All right. <laughs> this is my ticket out of the factory. But anyhow, so there was a club I was playing called Rose and Kelly's.
Luke Rocket Charles would be there, and Carrie Bell, and uh, John Richard, and a lot of harmonica players. And we would stand shoulder to shoulder and pass the same harp and mic. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I got to say, they, were, they would watch to see if I would, if I would do it, if I would take the harp. I did. Anyhow, then when we all kind of thought we had done the best we could, Shaky would come over and just take the mic and just blow us all away. One night he had two harmonicas back to back. I'd never seen him do something like that. And he was playing, I could recognize the phrases he was playing. He was playing second position, key of A on the T harmonica. And with a big flourish, he turns it over and starts playing this other harmonica. And I didn't recognize those patterns. And when he got through, I said, Shaky, what, what's that other harmonica you got there? It was a C. He's playing the key of A on a C harmonica. I'd never heard of such a thing. This was fourth position. Uh, that was mind-blowing to me. I well, anyhow, a couple of weeks later, I saw Will Walker on 63rd Street during the afternoon. I remember walking up, and there's Will Walker, and I said, Man, I saw Shaky a couple weeks ago playing in the key of A on a C harmonica. And Lou Walter had a way of always doing his shoulders like that, especially when he was laughing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I told him uh, about that, and he goes, that, that ain't nothing. You can play an E on a C harmonica, too. Wow, E on the same harmonica. So let's see. And G, and G, and A, and, and E, I mean, so that was fifth position. And that got me to thinking that, well, I guess any octave I can find has got to be a way to get your, get like stepping stones up and back, and, and you're in that key. Um, so that's kind of the, how I found, found out about fourth and fifth positions, and uh, really opened my eyes. some um, interesting information about the early days in Chicago, um, uh, how he got around there and got to know all those guys and play harp with them. That last song was, I don't get around much anymore, Walter Horton, to um, be able to talk to those guys and hang out with them. It's been pretty something else, and those are the kind of things that uh, Charlie's keeping, keeping going that life and uh, 
what he experienced there. I, you know, he was talking about when he first started playing and how he's come across all these different uh, techniques and things through the years. And I think all of us have our memory of the first time we played and how we learned along the road and the first time we learned about different positions. And it wasn't quite as interesting as his story, at least mine's not, but but it's special to me and our stories are special to us. So I'm going to keep playing some more of the, what I have um, cuts from uh, that interview at Spa. Michael D. Earth was interviewing him. And those are the kind of things you get if you make the long journey out there to when it happens once a year. And um, there's so many opportunities to, to learn and experience Life of Harmonica and the Harmonica family. So I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I'm going to carry on now. Yeah, sorry. Um, I, I found I, you know, I found learning learning new positions over time um, organically has really helped the ability to phrase differently and find different ways of playing different tunes. Yeah, gives you a different way phrasing. And, yeah. Even if you don't use them, just knowing about it gives you. See, it's the only instrument you can't see what's going on. Like most instruments, your hands are somehow doing something. This is all covered up. So you really need a really strong mental image of this instrument. And knowing these other positions and how they all kind of fit together just gives you a bigger, broader mental image. Here's this crazy white kid. <laughs> they, 
They just thought, well, they did think I was crazy. <laughs> Sometimes guys would say, man, when you first started coming around here, we figured you either had to be a cop or you were nuts. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were really rough places, but that didn't bother me. And, uh, so I, I just got pulled into it. It wasn't a dream of mine or a goal. It just, and, uh, when I had a chance to play with guys in bands and they were going to pay me, that was pretty exciting for a, a teenager. I went to Chicago when I was 18, and by the time I was 22, I made my first album. They gave me three hours to make it. Yeah. You only got three hours, you can't go over three hours, because then we have to play double scale, and we ain't gonna do that. So, so we, that album has hadn't been out of print in over 50 years, it's still selling. Yeah. And that put me on the road.
But I tell you, the um, times I've seen Charlie, he played with Etta James at Couts Vineyard um, in Murphy's, California. And then up in Reno, um, I got to go up and see him alongside Tom Stryker there, and he was playing with Cindy Lauper. And I'll tell you what, uh, that's moving it forward. And then Ben Harper, he um, he really does advance and preserve. You know, he, he has the history. He plays like the old, old-time players. As, and all the way up into playing with brand new people. So on that, I had Hobo Blues, Walter Horton, and then um, Kingsnake Blues, Charlie Musselwhite. And then last, him and Ben Harper, you found another lover and I lost another friend. So, you know, that's some pretty darn good history and life achievement there. Um, hats off to Mr. Musselwhite and everything that he's brought to the harmonica and the blues in the world with everything he does and every step he takes, I'll tell you. Felt lucky to be able to hang out and be there with him and um, just visiting with him. You know, spas like that, you go and your friends are there and people you haven't seen for a whole year, but a lot of people you haven't met, but maybe online and that you want to meet and the opportunities there and, um, there's always great, great players, but I have to say, for me, this was particularly sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> no other words. And um, so I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, and I'll try to get more up. But this is what happened when me and Julio went and lived on Tulsa time for a while. We had a really, really good time. And uh, now we're heading towards another year, and uh, hopefully we make it out there for the 60th one in St. Louis. That is the hope. That is the dream. And uh, you go, to get, um, go ahead and check out nedrarus.com. You can see everywhere that we're at. I've got festivals coming up and places I'm going to have my one-of-a-kind unique art items as well as all my harmonica wares there. And uh, we will be playing music and just having a good time. We, we so far have been since we've been home. And uh, we're in a heat wave right now, so it's pretty hot. And I'm in here in my little studio getting this out for y'all. And I appreciate you downloading and enjoying the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Gonna leave you with an instrumental by my husband and myself, the Norfolk River Blues. <laughs> 